This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Lots to talk about on the show today, uh, including uh, PC Party leader Rick Dystra. Uh, Dystra, rather, has resigned uh, amid allegations of sexual assault. We're going to touch on that uh, in just a sec, as well as uh, the PC Party and... Uh, announcing that there will be, in fact, a leadership convention before the next election. We'll talk about that coming up in this uh, first hour. Uh, We'll touch on the Elizabeth May scenario in the second hour, along with uh, breaking news that uh, Toronto police have charged alleged killer Bruce MacArthur with three more counts of first-degree murder, as it appears there is a serial uh, killer on their hands. Uh, As well, neighborly disputes. We'll talk about the Grammys as well. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show. All right, as I mentioned, PC party leader Rick Dykstra resigned amid allegations of sexual assault. To talk more about all of this and the PC party choosing a new leader, Barry Kay is with us, political science professor, Wilfrid Laurier University. He is with us now. Barry, thanks for taking the time to join us. As always, we appreciate this. Hello, Scott. So your thoughts on this? Uh, First, of course, uh, Patrick Brown down, now the party president. Uh, where does this leave the PC party? Well, you know, when I first saw the uh, headline in this morning's uh, paper, I, um, I was thinking, well, this is just cleaning house and sort of getting rid of the bad taste of the brown people around uh, him. Because uh, Dykstra's not the only one to go. There's uh, several others. I think Bob Stanley, who's the executive director. Um, uh, Dunlop, uh, who in ha- fact had the uh, former seat that uh, Brown took over and was given a position in his place, all of them are being replaced. So my initial thought was, well, this is just, you know, out with the old and in with the new. Um, there is more to it with Dykstra, because Dykstra, in fact, um, is, has been accused of, again, similar uh, sexual harassment charges. In fact, informally, I think he it was, it was referred to as sexual assault, although it didn't get legal. But that wasn't a new story. That was something that was, has been out for a couple of years. And it seems that Dykstra is just an old, I'd, I'd call them a drinking buddy of Brown's, except that Brown didn't drink, so maybe they were just skirt-chasing buddies. But the, um, Dyke, the charge against Dykstra, in part, was something that, as I say, wasn't new, but um, is, I guess, similar to um, the, the, the problems with, with Brown. And the idea of replacing him, I think, was probably going to come anyway. I think the whole Brown matter is sort of just left a bad taste in the Tories' Um, mouth, and I think they just want to get rid of everybody that has any association with with um, Brown at all. So I don't I don't want to suggest it it, it was um, just the skirt chasing. It was because, as I say, that wasn't even new. It seems when I started looking at a little further at the story, um, the resignation by Dykstra was uh, resulted because again, this is something that's been public for a while, not widely publicized, but it certainly hasn't been a secret. Uh, but apparently, McLean's got in touch with him, and at that point, he realized the handwriting was on the wall, and they had to change. The real, the real impact, and maybe this is a blessing in disguise, I'm, the more I, I, I see the whole stink around the Brown leadership, uh, that perhaps this is a blessing in disguise for the Tories. It's certainly not good news that it's happening uh, a little over four months from Election Day. That's not good news at all. But better now than a month from now, and certainly better now than in the middle of an election campaign it, itself. Um, the Tories are, and I guess the, the real news about the Conservatives now is whether, whether they're going to have the leadership vote beyond what the the caucus decided uh, nominating Fidelity, and it looks like they are. Maybe that'll be late March, early um, early April. It'll pro- they're very constrained, and it's not going to be the kind of leadership contest that would normally occur. But the, these are the challenges for the party. The party just needs to clean up its act. But I think with Brown, they had very much damaged goods. And if the story hadn't come out when it did last week, um, it would have something was going to come out sooner or later. And better to get this behind them as quickly as they, um, they possibly can. One of the other things about Brown wasn't just that the, um, the charges about the misbehavior, because so much of that, I guess, is a result of the whole Harvey Weinstein aftermath and the mm-hmm. Me Too issue. But um, Brown just can't handle pressure. I mean, the, the way he ran from the, um, the media on Wednesday night was just absurd. You know, to, to think that a potential premier of the province or a party leader would just sort of run and flee like a deer in the headlights, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's really also quite apart from the misbehavior itself, a suggestion that this person really was in no sense ready for prime time. Uh, so you think this is more about house cleaning than these allegations that, that were there and had been there Dykstra? for a while? Yes. Um, oh, I think it's both. Um, Why didn't he mention anything about the allegations in his resignation, do you think? Because it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I just think it was the time was, uh, the time was, was, was has come. I, I think the stories were coming out and are coming out now, and perhaps that's why you're... Uh, you're you're covering the the story today. If it was just a house cleaning, getting rid of the brown people, um, 
there perhaps would have been a little less media attention. But look, the conservatives um, have you know, the, the election is is in early June. The conservatives really have to concentrate their attention and uh, and get an act together. And there's still debate and discussion as to um, how the leadership issue is good because leadership contests can be a great way for spotlighting a new exciting leader, but they can also be divisive. And that's something the conservatives have to be wary about in, in going through with this. It looks like, I think it was just up to the caucus, they seem to be happy with Fidelli, who I think is a, um, a person who's generally popular within the caucus. Um, but um, other people in the conservative party organization decided that they wanted somebody a little more exciting, a little more pizzazz, perhaps. I mean, I'm not, the, the decision hasn't been made, so it may well be Fidelli at the end of the day anyway. But, uh, uh, before before we get on to, uh, to more of the leadership, uh, getting back to the accusations, are we seeing a change in Canadian politics here? It, because we've heard for years the whispers, all this, that, or the other. Are, do you think, Barry, this is a, t- a change in Canadian politics, just like there is, uh, you know, in any other industry at this point? Oh, uh, absolutely. It's a change. I think it was in, the timing of it was influenced. I, there's, there's other cultural strains that have been going on anyway, but... You know, if you want one person who's responsible for this and is, is truly heroic, it's, it's Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd was the primary whistleblower with regard to um, uh, to, find, uh, to Weinstein in the states. And ever since that, look at all the uh, the, the shoes that have dropped in all sorts of industries. I'm sure mm. it's I'm sure it's not over. But uh, is it is it a change for Canada? For sure it is. And it's something that uh, at the federal level, Justin Trudeau is very concerned about. Um, but yes, I think in the, the future, people who have this kind of behavior in their background will not be running for prominent political positions because it's going to come back and haunt them. And I think that means that at least at that level, these kind of, um, this kind of behavior will not be accepted and tolerated in the way that it has. Some would argue that, in fact, it's really not fair because you're, there's a presumption of innocence. But that's in the legal world, not in the political world. In the political mm-hmm. world, as with Caesar's wife, one must be above suspicion, not just be um, mm-hmm. not, not free of, 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 of a guilty um, a guilty conviction in a court of law. And for people who think this has happened unfairly and too quickly, um, I think in the case of Brown, they did get the right read on the person. There are people who may, in fact, be um, targeted unfairly. I don't want to say it can't happen. It has happened Mm -hmm. in other cases in the States. But your basic question is, could the Canadian political culture much more wary and savvy about this? Yes, I think that's something that's going to happen into the future. And it's happening in other provinces. We saw the resignation of Kent Hare in in Alberta, the federal cabinet minister, the conservative leader in Nova Scotia. It isn't just Ontario. Uh, Getting back to the leadership, uh, are you surprised, uh, although it does say in their constitution that they have to have a leadership convention, but considering the timing and and the way this all uh, came down with with the resignation of Patrick Brown and such, uh, are you surprised that they are having a a leadership convention instead of just going with Vic Fideli? Uh, A little bit, uh, only because of the timing, because it really is going to be tight, and they are not going to be able to run the full-blown kind of vote. Uh, I mean, normally these things... Or uh, try to involve signing as many people up over a period of time as possible, which was actually part of the reason for Brown's success. He was great at organizing. He's great at sort of getting people signed up. Um, but now that in fact that the idea is in the water that indeed they want to have a, a democratic review, they also have a couple of potential quote unquote star candidates. I'm not sure that um, they will be seen to be star because they are actually not even in the legislature. But with Rod Phillips and particularly Carolyn um, Mulrooney, these are names that are out there as they've already been nominated for their, their party. Um, and this is something that I think there are people in the party that think they might add a little more excitement and pizzazz than Fideli or some of the people that are in Queen's Park. I have a hunch that's an element of what... If there were no outside people that looked appealing to significant numbers of conservatives, they might very well have just gone ahead with Fideli. I don't want to make it sound like it's a done deal because it isn't. I think they're taking a risk with anybody who does not have political experience Carolyn Mulrooney obviously has important political genes, but she's never really been in the public workplace herself in, in that sense. Um, and I'm not sure how she will handle the um, potential strains and pitfalls of a campaign. But I think the fact that she and Phillips are getting a lot of buzz has something to do with the fact that there's the, the, the party leadership has decided to go with the, the, uh, the new contest, even though time is short. Uh, what do you think for other uh, pr- uh, prospective candidates? Uh, Doug Ford announcing that he is now entering the race. I hadn't even uh, seen that. Um, Ford will have an appeal for certain people. I don't think it's in the long-term interest of the Conservative Party, hmm. but he certainly has a potential base. Uh, there are other names that have potentially been mentioned, too. Um, uh, Lisa McLeod may run. I think the idea of running a woman, particularly with the other two party leaders being led by women, um, 
uh, both um, you know the mm-hmm. um, the NDP and the Liberals. I think that is one more factor that would be that the party should take seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned uh, Monty McNaughton, who's a, another MPP from the Southwest area that, that's possibly going to run. McLeod's. There are other names that could get mentioned. Uh, Ford will certainly bring attention to the race. Um, I'm not sure it's going to. Ford is going to help with regard to the notion of unity. I would really be surprised if Ford is the nominee at the end of the day. I still think he's more likely to run at the end. Maybe if he loses this, he'll run in the. Um, the, for the mayor, mayoralty mm. in Toronto come, come the fall. Do you think this will help or hurt the PCs? There's been all sorts of rumors floating around that this was an inside job, that he wasn't making a headway, so now's a good time to get uh, rid of him. Besides, the Liberals had all this information anyway, and they were going to drop it uh, systematically before the election uh, in order for maximum damage. Is this, is this, does this hurt or help the PCs? Well, if Brown is as deeply flawed as he now seems to have been, uh, and again, it isn't just the misbehavior, it's the fact that he couldn't handle the pressure. Um, um, I think it's better now than later. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that, um, again, Fidelli, I think, is a perfectly serviceable candidate as well, and if it'd been, uh, there had been consensus about leaving it with him, I think he could have had a shot at it. This should be a conservative year. I mean, the fact is the Liberals have had four terms in office. Mm. And while the NDP has a plausible leader, too, uh, she hasn't been able to, to improve the party vote that much in the past. Maybe that'll change now. Um, so, the, I mean, the Conservatives have a history in Ontario of shooting themselves in the foot. They've had at least the last three elections yeah. where they had a good shot at it, and then something happened during the campaign or with the leader that, that blew it. Mm. Um, I think, in hindsight, I wouldn't have said this a week ago because we, I, we didn't have this information about Brown publicly. But in hindsight, I think it was better to have gotten rid of Brown sooner rather than later. If it had happened six months ago, it would have been better still. But it's better now than, than two months from now, close to the election time. Is this Andrew Horbath's election to lose? Is this the NDP's best shot, best chance? It sure is a shot. Um, in fact, I think if people are truly fed up with the provincial liberals, um, Andrew Horvath's position is more or less right now where it was um, in terms of the NDP support at the end of the last election. But when the, the NDP actually does well, as they did in 1990 provincially, and as they did in Alberta the last election, and as they did with Jack Layton in, in, in 2011, it's usually because the other parties are in turmoil. That, in fact, not just one, the governing party, but both of the leading parties have challenges. I'm not going to say that's, I, I don't have a crystal ball with regard to this. But if things break right, these are the kinds of conditions where the NDP could get a much more serious look by people that are disappointed with both the conservatives and the liberals. Time will tell whether that's the case. But, yeah, I think there's certainly an opportunity for the NDP to have a be taken more seriously as, a, as an alternative government than perhaps has been true in the past with Andrew Horvath as leader. Do you think we're going to hear of more scandal or more politicians stepping down for, well, for the reasons that we've discussed earlier? So much of this has happened. Again, I'm looking at the states as much as Canada. So mm-hmm. much of these stories have come. I mean, I didn't know about Charlie Rose's behavior or Matt Lauer's behavior. Mm-hmm. And again, until stories come out, so we don't know. Uh, if you're asking me if this is never going to happen again, no, it will happen. There will be more stories. People today, I think, are going to be chastened in their political careers based on the change of the culture from Weinstein in the States. But that doesn't mean that they weren't misbehaving five, ten years ago and that those stories might yet come out. I suspect there will be more of this. Again, uh, there was that, that day last, uh, last Thursday where we were hearing about not just Brown, but we were hearing about the conservative leader in Nova Scotia and, and Hare, the, um, the federal cabinet, all in the same day. Mm. So, uh, no, I, I, I would think it very strange that there will not be more stories like this. I think there probably will be. But I think the new generation of politicians are going to be very chastened. If they want to have public careers, they're going to have to clean up their act. It seems like it will be impossible for everyone to get all of this behind them. But now that you know the next election is, is in sight, obviously with the, the PCs, with the new leader, this changes everything. This not only changes the PCs' strategy, but also uh, the opposition strategy on how they were going to run against the leader. Uh, how does that set up the next election? I mean, what do you think we're going to see? Yeah, um, again, and uh, I think for the liberal and, and new democratic planning, to a certain extent, they're going to sit back and kind of see where, how, how the Tories are going to go with this. If the liberals elect a new leader, particularly somebody like Carolyn Mulroney, he comes from outside the caucus, I think they will handle that very differently than if it ends up being somebody who, like Fidelity or somebody from the caucus. Uh, that in fact, on the, the one hand, they'll basically 
be suggesting that uh, somebody like Mulroney is new and inexperienced and really doesn't have the chops for, for this kind of position. If it's somebody from the caucus, the, the kind of attack that the other parties would, would make on the conservatives would be more that it's the same old, same old, and this is the same group that allowed Brown to sort of move up, move up within the party. So I think they're going to kind of hold their ammunition for a while until they see just where the conservatives are coming from in the campaign and who their leader is going to be. Do you think Wynne could still win? Could she use this all as a distraction and plow right through? Uh, a year ago, when the Liberals were more than 20 points behind in the polls, I couldn't imagine that she was even going to stay on. She has stayed on. The, uh, the gods or whatever have sort of broken in a way that is somewhat favorable to them. Um, I think it's hard to believe that uh, Wynne would do as well as in the last election. I don't see the Liberals winning a majority. Um, look, anything could happen. Even the NDP could sneak up the middle um, in this. I don't want. To, I, I guess what I'm saying, I'm not prepared to. Given what we've seen in the last year and indeed the mm. last few days, I'm not prepared <laughs> to say that anything is impossible. Uh, is it possible for the Liberals to end up in the election with more seats than any of the other parties? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a majority, and I do think the Liberals are in trouble. But it depends on the success of the Conservative campaign and their new leader. And whether or not the NDP gets a real serious look as an alternative. Barry Kay has been with us, political science professor, Wilfrid Laurier University. Fascinating times. Thank you, Barry, as always. Much appreciated. Bye for now. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Over the weekend, a story broke in the Toronto Star alleging Green Party leader Elizabeth May bullies her employees. Three former staffers have come forward saying she created a toxic environment, including yelling and berating in front of others. The Green Party says this is just sour grapes from disgruntled former employees. Only time will tell where this is all going, but it is the reaction to these allegations from the Green Party that I found truly frightening. Uh, Their press release ends their justification of her actions by saying, quote, the Green Party believes that as a female political leader, she is being held to a different standard than her male counterparts. A man with these qualities is admired for his leadership. A woman is portrayed as overbearing and bullying. These outdated gender stereotypes have no place in 21st century Canada. It is extremely unlikely that a decade-old antidote about a man's frustration with his office paint job would would merit national news. Does anyone else find this smug, especially considering the climate of late surrounding behavior accountability? A man with these qualities is admired for his leadership? Since when? What rock are they under? Haven't they seen the news of late? Bullying is bad, no matter the gender. And it appears it is Elizabeth May who is getting a free pass here. Feel free to weigh in on that, 900CHML.com. And again, the phone lines are always open. Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant. You could read her stuff in the Huffington Post, Canada.com, PR Daily. She's with us now. Alyssa, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Yes, my pleasure, Scott. I think we're going to have a bit, we're going to be at loggerheads today, Scott. Oh, you know, I was talking to my producer, Luke, about this, and I said, do you think Alyssa's going to cut me off at the knees here, or do you think she's going to see this? I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive to all this th- th- that's been going on because I'm a male, and, you know, everything and, and the whole Me Too movement, I, I fully support and 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 these actions that are taking place should not be happening and women should be encouraged to come forward but so should everybody be encouraged to come forward do you not find this press release smug no why god <laughs> let's okay let's go into context here i read this and i thought oh oh and then i started reading it and i'm thinking here is a disgruntled employee, and albeit the allegations were many years ago, but so are many of these other allegations we're hearing about with other people. And then I started reading it, and I'm like, you know, I'm glad the Green Party put their foot down because the last thing that we want this movement to engage is is disgruntled whiners. He didn't like the way he was talked to. Like, have you ever been in a workplace where there wasn't somebody who was always angry about something? Of course you have. And I find this gentleman's, if you can call him that, complaints childish. Like, really, get over it. Oh, she got mad at you. Oh, oh Alyssa, how yes, can you, how can you say that? Abuse. I didn't Come say on, it was. Well, you hey, know, if we're talking hey. about a Me Too movement. You know, this is some, and then it's, it is so thinly across the line of bullying 
you've never gone into work and your boss has been in a bad mood and just lost it for five seconds or not. Alyssa, that is that is not acceptable oh, in the building please. that I work in now. It oh. is not acceptable, and it hasn't been for a decade. Well, you can't go through the halls. Oh, you can't on. go through the halls screaming and yelling at employees anymore. Okay, well, it I don't think work. that. I think that that's a stretch, and I don't think that she went went through the halls screaming and yelling at her employees. Listen to this. The Green Party believes that as a female political leader, she is being held to a different standard than her male counterparts. True. And you talk about him whining? Come on. Hang on, I'm not finished. A man with these qualities is admired for his leadership. That is not the case now, Alyssa. Oh, oh, come on. Scott, you are saying that the world has suddenly changed on a dime? That every single workplace is so, you know, so super gender sensitive? And I we think don't they are now. The stereotypes that have been going on for decades and decades? Come on. They're absolutely right. Do you, si- do you think... Guy, do you if think... this was a guy... Come on. Just let me finish. I will. Okay. If this was a man, we would not be hearing about this at all. And the only reason we would is that if after he screamed, he hit on the employee. That's when we would hear about it. Okay? I'm sorry. This is really, this is what's going to destroy or chip away at what Me Too really means. See, let me interrupt you there. See, I believe the exact same thing, but I think it's 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 press releases like this that undermine this by blowing these people off because she's a woman. That's what's going to undermine yes, he this. he started it. The employee started it. He said, you know, with respect to, you know, this Me Too There were three movement. employees here. Okay, there were three. Out of how many years ago? And they're not all men. Whatever. Well, I think what? no, you can't say whatever. Yes, of course I can Alyssa. because I think that this is trivial and it actually denigrates the Me Too movement. I when think you have, see, you know what, when Alyssa, you have disgruntled former staff. Oh my gosh! If we start ki- giving credence to disgruntled former staff who didn't like something that somebody once did to them. You know what kind of culture, work culture we're going to be in? Nobody's going to work for anybody. They're all going to own their own businesses. They don't have to deal with disgruntled former staff who wake up every day and thinking, gee, what am I going to get mad about? I've worked with disgruntled staff. And you know what? You can never, ever, ever make them happy. Ever. So, you know, they'll be disgruntled from, you know, about, you know, whatever, let's say, Situation A. Does that mean you can yell at them and berate them in front of others? I think that they were not being yelled. I think that it was a, honestly, I wasn't there, but I think this whole thing is being overblown. Well, again, how can you? I cannot take it. I cannot put it in the same bucket as the real Me Too, um, you know, premise of uh, sexual allegations. I, 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 don't mean to, I, I don't mean for one second to put it in the same bucket as the sexual allegations charges, I'm Alyssa. a little fired up. That's, you, not, that's not my point at all, Alyssa. No, it's great. <laughs> it's not my point at all. My point is, is their reaction by belittling these people who have what they feel is a strong uh, allegation against her, they are berating this these people. They are making the, you know, what are you talking about? She's a woman. She doesn't do this. And I think it is this line, these lines in this press release that do exactly what you say this is doing to the movement. I think this takes the credibility out of it. When you stand there and say, oh my goodness, a man who does this is admired for his leadership. A woman is portrayed as overbearing and bullying. My goodness, Alyssa, that is a comment that does not belong in the 21st century. Yes, Come but, it's, on. but you know what? You may not think it belongs, but for heaven's sakes, when I get together it with my friends or I talk, about, I talk with other women yeah, about yeah, workplace yeah. behavior, yeah. trust me, oh. there is a strong line which, with which what is acceptable for a man versus what is acceptable for a woman. Is and that not changing? Is not that not changing? caught up. No, it's not. It's is that like, not changing? Like a turtle, it's changing. It's slow. I don't know. I don't know. If you, uh, if you, if you, know. If you look back people... at what's happening in the news in the last week or so, things are happening pretty quick. You know, but what we're talking about is when you talk about things are happening pretty quick, is that when, you know, there are sexual uh, abuse allegations against somebody, that's one thing. Um, I, and, and listen, you know, I can't remember if we talked about, you know, the incident with Patrick Brown or, or not, but... I will say that there are varying degrees, and and the problem with all of this is, if I can sort of 
go on to another point here. The problem with all of this is, is that it's the varying degrees of importance or believability that is coming out of the narratives of each one of these things. And the problem with that is, is that we're getting more into a yawn, ho-hum, here's another one. And we have mentioned that like, that's the last thing that I want to happen with the Me Too movement, yet everybody kind of is now starting to use it as a convenient platform. And, and I get that. I think that's I exactly that. what the Green Party has done with this statement. They have taken advantage of this movement. That's exactly what I'm saying about these three, four lines of this statement. Well. It's belittling. It's <laughs> smug. Especially in these times of being accountable for your behavior, it's smug. The likelihood is. is so, what do you think the Green Party is going to do about this? More of a high road. Like, so, I can't believe that. I don't know who wrote this, but so, it was a communications officer. But yeah, exactly. So exactly. Are, there, there's a, there's an even better question, Alyssa. As a PR person, would you have released this crap? Come on, <laughs> don't give me that. Okay. See, I, I understand your passion for the cause is is overshadow, overshadowing a terrible press release. And well, I agree, the cause is valid. But this is wrong. I think there could have been a... And and you know what? You're right, Scott. There could have been more of a higher road taken with respect to talking about the allegations and the employees. You know, there's one thing that we do say in crisis communications, and that is don't repeat the charge. Don't fan the flames of discontent. Now, the lucky thing is... They've justified her actions here. So what if she's a bully? If she was a guy, no one would care. That's saying she is a bully. Well, let's put it this way. Okay, so what's today's date? Today is the 29th, right? Mm-hmm. So this story came out on the 27th. So when I went and looked and I thought, okay, so has there been any sort of new play on this story? And, you know, I check what I always check, my Google alerts. Only Scott's covering it. <laughs> Go ahead, say it, Alyssa. No, 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 no. Only I'm not- just saying that as far as yep, yep, yep. some, me- I mean, and as well, maybe on other talk radio stations, but... You know, silly me. Are there other talk radio stations, Scott? No. So, so how will they react to this? How will the Green Party react? Well, I think that they're lucky that people haven't really jumped down their throat. And you know what's interesting? When I looked at the comments, specifically on CBC, because you can't get comments on Global Mail nor on the Star at this moment, because um, they disabled them and they're working on it. I'm not sure what that means. But, you know, when I looked at the comments, really... They were dismissive of this whole story, and all of them were talking about Trudeau and Davos. So, and I kept scrolling through, scrolling through, and I'm saying, okay, let's get to the story, get to the story. Honestly, you know, despite the discrepancies in the press release that was issued, it really didn't land with the public. Uh, Which means a couple things. things. They don't care. They've got other fish to fry, or the Green Party is is really in trouble if nobody even cares to comment. I think the whole issue is not, you know, again, I'm not trying to diminish the cause. I think that's what the press release does. Uh, And here's the response that I was just handed by my boss that has just been released, courtesy of the Green Party of Canada, uh, launches an independent investigation into claims against Elizabeth May. The Green Party of Canada has begun a formal investigation into allegations against Elizabeth May uh, by three former party employees. Ms. May asked the party to launch an independent investigation of the claims reported in the Toronto Star January 27th and in the Hill Times January 29th. The third party investigation will be led by Sheila Block, a Toronto legal firm, Tories. The process is expected to take two to four uh, weeks and findings will be released to the public when it's complete. And that's what they should have said to the, in the get-go. That's my whole point, Alyssa. I know. But, you uh, but know see, but see, I have to but get see, up, you, I I to know, get up on I know, my high horse. But you know what? And I understand that because as soon as, and this is what happens, as soon as guys will stand up for something that isn't right, immediately, you're anti-me too. That's not the point. No, no, that's no, no, not no. The I point. wasn't saying my about point, guys I know, I know, I know. But my, I'm talking about but my point was with employees. I know, but my point was with this press release, and it is very, very condescending. Don't you think? There are parts of it that are condescending. You know what? There, there's a rule. There's a rule that when, it's funny, when I used to work at a certain organization and I had this great boss and I would just be so angry at a particular issue and I'd write a, an email and then I would call her in and I would say, Laura, come look at this. She'd read it. She goes, you feel better now? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Press X. Delete. Yeah. And that's what somebody should have done to this. Yeah. 
So, you know, while I disagree with the people coming forward in terms of disgruntled employees, and trust me, every government issue that is untoward, the safest route is we are going to have an investigation. And trust me, just like polling people, we can skew investigations any way we want them to. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, I mean, look at the CBC and Giango Meshi. That was like, what kind of investigation was that? Yeah. So it's the right course of action because you're supposed to show a course of action. And if Elizabeth May had anything to scream about, it was probably that response. <laughs> uh, so uh, your thoughts on what is happened, well, we'll change gears on this. But again, my point was this, and again, it, 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 it wasn't know. about the disgruntled employees. It was the press release that I found off call. I know, but I like to mix it up with you, Scott. Well, I have no problem and, and, with and that. And you know what? You're right but, 99.9% of the time. But And I think I might have been this one, too. So, uh, <laughs> but the point is, see how when someone brings this up, and I had this discussion with my wife. She says, you got to be really careful how you write this because if it comes off the wrong way, you're a Me Too hater. And that's not what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is, you know, time will tell what these employee situations are and whatever happens. And sure enough, there's now an investigation as a result of that. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was I thought this was quite a condescending press release. And I take your point. All right. You agreed with me a minute ago. Now you just take my point. So who wins this? Can we? Is there a judge in here, please? <laughs> Right. Well, let me put it this way. All right. This is a tie. On the show, you win. No, 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 no. <laughs> My ego ain't that big. It, uh, ne- well, never mind. Let's move on. All right. Uh, your thoughts on what's been happening with the PC party? Can they regroup? Can they relaunch? Uh, and, and even Doug Ford entering the race. Help or hindrance? Oh, my goodness. When I was talking with my husband, he says, you're never going to guess who has entered the PC leadership race. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, so-and-so. No, Doug Ford. And honestly, I stopped what I was doing, and I looked up, and I went, I can't believe it. And and you know what's interesting is that you know, you ha- one may have best, or an organization may have best laid plans, and you've, you've taken every uh, precaution to lay out those plans. And in this case, I must, you know, it is, a, I, it is my opinion that this is absolutely a targeted operation to get rid of Patrick Brown. The poll numbers are probably not supporting um, him in the run-up. They know that Kathleen Wynne is, if nothing else, a fearsome, fearsome competitor and campaigner. Uh, they were likely worried about how he would stand up in front, uh, beside her in, in any sort of leadership debate. And so they thought, you know what? We're going to go in and we're going to have this sort of very tactical uh, execution and uh, we're going to get rid of Patrick Brown within 24 hours if we need to, which they did. As much as you might want to consider all variables I'm wondering if the conservatives, when they were doing their planning around this, even thought, maybe they considered slightly but maybe dismissed it, that Doug Ford would want to enter the leadership race here. And, you know, you have all these very smooth transitions. You know, suddenly, oh, who's going to be interim leader? And, oh, Vic Fidelli is going to be interim leader. Oh, didn't Vic lose to Patrick Brown in the last leadership race? Yes, he did. Hmm. Okay. So are they going to put Vic as his face forward or, or what? And so... Now, this is where they've got to be as executional as they were when they were thinking that they didn't want Patrick Brown as leader anymore. And they can't allow this to get messy, and they can't allow their narrative to be taken over. And when you put Doug Ford into the mix, that is exactly, exactly what's going to happen. Love him or hate him, he knows how to speak to the press. He understands his narrative completely. It has never, ever wavered. And this is where all your best laid plans may be derailed. And there might be lots of people. I mean, trust me, they're doing their polling right now as we speak. There must be lots of people who would relish to see a a campaign or a debate with um, Kathleen Wynne versus Doug Ford. So Mm. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen here. So what happened is best laid plans that I think really had the liberals on their heels when it first came out. Now you've got to be as tight and as tactical and as driven and not veer off course in terms of how you want this whole thing to end up. Because remember, how many months do we have? Mm. I don't know, four? Yep. 
There we go. Alyssa Freeman's been with us, public relations consultant and, of course, uh, principal at uh, Alyssa Freeman PR. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. It was a feisty one today for a Monday. Woke me up there. I think that we should add, and Scott Thompson's favorite sparring partner on Monday. That's perfect. That's perfect. Thanks, Alyssa. Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Did you watch the Grammys last night? Uh, interesting night. What were your thoughts? We'd love to hear uh, from you on that. Uh, let's bring in Alan Cross, of course, music journalist, guru. A Journal of Musical Things uh, is where you can find his stuff. And if you go on today and talk about uh, or read his, uh, his blog on uh, the Grammys, you might be a bit surprised. Let's bring Alan Cross in. He is with us now. Alan, thanks for taking the time to join us. We appreciate it. Good surprise, why? Well, you know, you're mostly pretty supportive about these things. Uh, <laughs> you're, the headline says it all. My wrap-up to the 2018 Grammys, spoiler, I didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Because they got so many things wrong. Where can we start? Let's start with the opening. What would you think? Uh, the opening was, was fine. Uh, that was Kendrick Lamar doing his uh, his protest against police shootings of, of black men across America. Uh, it was okay, but... Well, you got dancers dropping to the sounds of gunshots. Yeah. Okay, I mean, no, fine. It, it, was, it, was, it was, listen, it's, it's performance arts, and he had a point of view. Uh, the Grammys decided they were going to create this program all around hip-hop, rap, and R&B. And if you're going to do that, you're going to get some very angry people who are going to want to make take that opportunity to express their their rage and concerns on a national TV stage? Fine. Um, let let me go through some things that that really bothered me about mm-hmm. it, and I'm going to start with um, Kesha and the Kesha performance. Yep. that was I mean really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. with all those women in the background, absolutely really powerful. And if you know anything about what she is going through, uh, you understand why. It was so important for for that thing to uh, for that performance to happen, but the very same people who were cheering her, who were giving her a standing ovation, are the same people who enable that kind of abusive behavior yeah. within the music industry. And a lot of the people who were cheering her on still are working with the same people that she accuses of taking advantage of her on a whole lot of different levels. That was just pure hypocrisy on the part of the industry. So that's that's one. She loses that song, uh, that award, to Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, who had been most nominated this year. But if you look at the lyrics to that song, the one that uh, beat up praying from Kesha and a couple of others, it's uh, about somebody getting drunk and taking advantage of a woman. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. Outside of U2's performance, there was zero representation of any rock on the broadcast. All of those awards were given away before the show started. So, okay, rock doesn't seem to count much for the Grammys anymore. Neither does country, because there was one performance by a country artist, and we didn't see any uh, country awards on the program as well. Looking at the winners of the rock uh, category, it was interesting that we saw uh, the War on Drugs win best rock album not exactly a household name this group very good record but uh for some reason metallica's hardwired to self-destruct was snubbed which i found really quite strange the grammy award for best rock song went to leonard cohen yeah leonard cohen who was 82 years old when he recorded you want darker again uh he is not exactly a rock star he never was a rocker And giving him, first of all, nominating him for the Best Rock Song category was dumb. But voting him as the winner was almost as dumb as the time the Grammys went. The Grammy went for for Hard Rock and Metal Performance with the Jeff Wartell in 1989. We're still, you know, thinking that's ridiculous. Or we could even go back to 1980 when Christopher Cross beat Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, I forgot about and that was huge. Oh, yeah. It won like a ton of Grammys that it year. Did. Yeah. It did. Where's Christopher Cross now? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lord was treated despicably. Yeah. He was not offered a solo performance slot. The other four. How does that happen? How does that happen when they know. do the rest? I don't know. Again, yeah. it shows you exactly how tone deaf the people at the Grammys are. Oh, okay, so we have this one woman nominated in this category. We're going to give solo performances to the four men. 
But if the woman wants to perform, she has to perform as part of an ensemble. That Okay, that doesn't make any sense. And then if you look back, there's just another statistic. If you look back over the last five years, there have been 899 Grammy nominees. 9.3% of those have been women. Mm. So, again, mm. another problem. Yeah. Um, Jay-Z, his 444 album, probably his best album in years, yet he was shut out entirely. He had eight nominations. How do you nothing. explain that? Everyone's talking about that. Okay, I will explain it this way. The Grammy Academy hates hip-hop. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't vote for it. So they would rather they would rather vote for Bruno Mars and what is an okay album, his 24K Magic album. It's, it's fine, but they don't get hip-hop. If they did, they would have given more to Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z. But they didn't. So you could read between the lines on that one all you all you. But want. if they're trying to get a broadcast that's more uh, uh, directed towards that audience, how, how could they feel that way? Two separate things. There is the TV show, and then there are the 12,000 people that have yeah. won the awards. Yeah, good point. So, you know, what you have to understand is that the Grammy Awards telecast is a primetime mainstream television variety show. Mm-hmm. And the goal there, they were selling 30-second spots for a million bucks last night. And the goal is to have as ratings as high as possible, uh, which, by the way, they did not. In fact, these may have been the lowest-rated Grammys ever. And you might want to blame the lineup of performers, or you might want to blame the fact that uh, I think The Walking Dead had a premiere last night. Hmm. Um, anyway, so <laughs> that, that's th- these are all these things that that that. Hip-hop essentially was disrespected last night. It is the driving musical force in American culture right now. Not so much in Canada. Canada is still pretty much a rock nation, although hip-hop is is close behind. But hip-hop has been driving culture in the United States for at least the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So having a hip-hop-flavored broadcast is you know, was the right thing to do. They finally got the memo. They finally figured it out that if you look at the streaming charts, you see what all the people are listening to. It is hip-hop, rap, and R&B. So great. We'll create a program based on that. However, the voting for the awards, different story. They haven't quite caught up to reality just yet. Uh, talk about uh, during the Golden Globes, it was all about the Me Too movement, uh, people wearing black, black dresses, black suits, what have you, the pins, uh, the first hour of this broadcast, I, I didn't. I don't think I, I, you could count on one hand the amount of white roses that you saw. It just was not as prevalent as it was, or it has been in, in in past shows like this. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a conscious thing? Why didn't they just embrace and, and wear the rose? I, I don't know. Um, you know, we're dealing with two different types of industry. They're both in the music, the uh, entertainment industry, but but movies and, and, and music are completely different things. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe they just weren't organized as well. Maybe the people that are involved just don't feel as strongly as the people in the music industry. I mean, in the, in the, in the movie industry. In, in The movie industry has been the one hit hardest by the Me Too thing. I mean, from Harvey Weinstein to um, Kevin Spacey yeah. to you know, on and on and on. We haven't seen all that much in the music industry um, outside of some allegations against guys like Dr. Luke and, and a few others. It has not really reached the same fever pitch, the same level of of uh, desperation, of, of um, I'm trying to find the right word, but you, it's just not at, as top of mind maybe in the music industry as it is in, in movie and television. Right Does now. that mean the music industry has not progressed as fast as uh, the entertainment industry has, or perhaps they're more accepting, accepting of it? Well, I, I think the issue there is, if you yes, there, were, there are all kinds of problems in movies and television, but the there are just as many problems, if not more, yeah. in the music industry. And, you know, it, it is a male-dominated industry. It is a patriarchy, and the guys are still in charge, so maybe maybe it's going to take a little longer for, for the bad apples to be flushed out. I, I, I honestly... I honestly Is it that, know. Alan, or is it just the sex, drugs, and rock and roll image, man? That's the way it is. Well, It's, it's accepted. I mean, that's, it could be. Um, not being involved in those bubbles, I can't tell you for sure, but I, I do know that there's, I've heard lots of terrible stories that have come out of the music industry that, for whatever reason, a lot of people have not stepped forward yet. There, I think the time is coming. I, I, I think, you know, once, now that this whole movement, now that this whole um, awakening has occurred, uh, it's not going away, and it's just going to spread, and we'll, we will see somebody... 
uh, we will see some dominoes eventually fall in the music industry. Why do you think viewership is on its way down? Do you think because it's less celebration, more rage? Like, usually that draws attention to these sorts of things. Why do you think the numbers are down? Well, uh, like I said, if there, there was a hip-hop focus, and that would leave an awful lot of people who aren't into hip-hop. Uh, Let me ask you this, Alan. Cold. How does hip-hop balance the whole misogyny thing? How do they balance the whole... Well, that's another problem. If you look at it, you know some of the lyrics uh, for, exactly. for you know, Kendrick Lamar's uh, uh, song on, on Dem, or Jay-Z and some of the stuff that he said in the past, it's, it's, it's terrible. If you were to say what they say in those songs in public... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you couldn't, but because it's it's in a song, because I again I, I'm not going to go there because we will just end up in a rat hole, and both of us are going to get angry. Does does this mean that music though the music industry has still to go through a metamorphosis on this? Yes, yeah. Well, I think so. It's it's long overdue. It it's it certainly is. Um, and let's just before we go any further than that, let me just get back to your question about ratings and why nobody watched. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, we, we have the issue of, uh, I think, a Walking Dead thing last night. We did have a change of venue. It was in New York, so it started a little bit earlier uh, at 7.30 instead of uh, 8.30 or whatever time it used to, used to start. Um, and, again, you've you got a, you a hip-hop-heavy uh, set of performers on CBS, which is uh, traditionally the old, maybe the, uh, the network that, that has the, uh, the oldest demographic. Um, and... Um, where was I going with this? Um, a lot of uh, people who would be into hip-hop, you know, young people, they're cord cutters. They don't watch TV. Mm. They, 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 you know, it doesn't, I think the, 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 the ploy was, okay, we have a national primetime network show that's going to appeal to a lot of young people. We'll get them to watch. Well, no, because they're not in the habit of watching primetime stuff on CBS. Mm. So the, I, I think the, the, the whole... Um, um, strategy backfired on him. What about Jay-Z for president? <laughs> oh, sure, if Oprah can do it, so can he. Well, you know, why not, eh? Well, you know, that, that, that's it. Um, you know, one of the things, and this, is, this takes us off into a completely different tangent, but if Donald Trump can be president, then anybody can, because the bar has been dropped so low that if, if a populist, another populist celebrity came along, we would take uh, the Americans would take justice as seriously as they did Donald Trump and uh, oh God Roman Empire does that sound familiar? Mm. What are your thoughts on the host this year? I okay I, this is going to be a me two times up situation. Why well, have a dude? Yeah, I mean I like James Corden. I think he's okay, um, and and you know he has a couple of good bits, uh, but uh, you know they're giving you know consolation puppies and the thing with the uh, Michael Wolf Fire and Fury thing that Hillary Clinton showed up. Although I'm not sure that was. Really, all that smart, although to get a laugh, um, he was he was okay. But uh, I mean, if, if the music industry was was serious about this this whole thing, they would have had a a woman. And then and then later, uh, who was it? It was today. Was it last night or today? The one of the organizers of the Grammy says, "Well, if women want to be better representative, they got to step up their game." Oh God. How tone deaf can you get? Was this an awkward Grammys? Do you think, Alan? Do you think they're between two places right now? I, I think we're gonna we, look. The Grammys come up every year, and we're all sucked in by the hype, and we all watch it, and we're always disappointed. This year, though, I think we're more disappointed and angry than usual. Low ratings, bad reviews, hypocrisy. And this this whole idea of not really paying attention to the situation women face in the industry. You know, again, we can talk about the tone deafness all the way through the program and the way it was organized. Uh, this may end up being a turning point. I mean, if I'm the guy that runs this Neil, his name Neil Port now, if I'm in charge, uh, I'm wondering, holy crap, look at the grief that we're getting from this. We we better do something. What are your thoughts on you two and their appearance on the show? Okay, that was an opportunity. That was an appeal to the people who watch CBS for NCIS. Yeah. Oh, we know them. Yeah. 
and it, it was a it was an okay performance. Nothing wrong with it. You two has been trying very, very hard to return to radio relevance with this album. This album is actually pretty good, Sons of Experience. I, I, I quite like the record. It's a little to get into, but I like the record. But they haven't had a lot of success with uh, with, with getting into um, uh, back on, on, on rock radio. Um, how do you I position really, that as a band? If you're U2, how do you handle that? Because, again, speaking of a band between two places, and I have this discussion with my wife all the time, who's a massive U2 fan, and we've seen them a bazillion times, but the last two, three shows to me have been very underwhelming because they're still sort of trying to be relevant uh, in an era that has greatly changed. How do you keep a band that's this age, has this history, and keep them relevant in 2018? That's what they're struggling with. I mean, and, you know, when, whenever U2 goes out on tour, they want to be able to have at least six songs that Bono is not afraid to sing. Uh, six songs from a new album that Bono isn't afraid to sing to the crowd, to the faithful. Um, we haven't really seen a band like U2 before, in the sense that they've been around since 1976. And with the exception of last year's Joshua Tree 30 tour, they have mm-hmm. never played the nostalgia card, mm-hmm. because they fought against it. Yep. And now they're running into a situation where although they still have millions of fans around the world, and although they still, and every time they go out on tour, it'll be one of the top three tours on the planet that year. Uh, they're struggling when it comes to maintaining any sort of artistic relevance because, you know, have they just played out the stream? Even Paul McCartney knows that he can release a song or a new song or a new album every once in a while. But when people come to see him, you know what, I'm going to play you one or two of those songs. The rest is going to be, you know, me, Wings, and the Beatles. Yeah. And the Stones went through the same thing. I mean, any band that, that has the longevity that this band has it goes through the same sort of thing. And, you know, it reminds me almost of R.E.M., who got to that point and then decided, we're not going to go, we're just going to stop. Well, U2 has a, a deal with Live Nation that I think takes them to 2020. They have a certain number of obligations that they have to fulfill. Um, when that contract comes up, It'll be interesting to see what they do. Bono has not been well. He's gone through a number of health challenges over the last yeah. uh, three or four years. So, um, and and he certainly has plenty of things to occupy his time. Should he decide to retire with with all his uh, philanthropic and, and political and activism, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Again, we've never seen a band like this with a career this long that attempts to be a relevant current band. Uh, even as these guys are in their fifties, I mean, we're we're starting to see this with Pearl Jam. Yeah, um, mm. the same sort of thing. And but um, Pearl Jam hasn't been around as long as you two. You two have been over fifty years on. Alan Cross has been with us, music journalist. Check out his site, A Journal of Musical Things, commenting on last night's Grammy Awards. Alan, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. You're very welcome. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on AM nine hundred CHML.